Well, let's look at 1 Corinthians 2, 13. I believe we're wrapping up this series on the mind of Christ. Of course, we're open to do something else, but I mean, to, if we needed to, to go on, but I believe we're wrapping this up. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13 says, These things we also speak, not in words which, all, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is rightly judged by no one, for who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now we're going to come back to this passage of Scripture. Uh, but I want you to notice the last part and then we'll come back to some earlier parts. We have the mind of Christ. Now let's look at Ephesians 4.20. Just uh, some of the Scriptures we've gone over. Let's read through some of these and then uh, we'll go on. Verse 20, Ephesians 4.20 says, But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard Him and have been taught by Him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and, be, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Verse 23 says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. In the verse 23 in the NIV, it says to be made new in the attitude of your mind. So your attitude, your, your um, approach, how you see things intellectually, how you think, see things with your mind is being renewed, being made nude uh, as you look to the Word. 1 Peter 4 verse 1, talking about our thinking and how we look at things, how we perceive. 1 Peter 4, verse 1 says, Therefore, since Christ suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourself also, arm yourselves also with the same mind. Arm yourselves also with the same mind. In the CEB, it says, You should also arm yourself with his way of thinking. So we're talking about how we think, how we perceive. And that's supposed to be made new. It's supposed to be made, uh, it's supposed to line up with the way God looks at situations. Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we're going to be changed. Transformed is a, a word that means completely changed, overhauled, uh, by the renewing of our mind. So how we see things is going to affect how we act, who we are. And finally, let's go to 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4. It says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. I want you to notice that. Carnal means natural. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So the weapons of our warfare, the way we do that, it's not, it's not natural. It's spiritual. We're dealing, even though we're talking about our mind, we're dealing with spiritual realities. And we've been talking about a number of facets of these things as we've gone on. We've talked about a number uh, of, uh, of um, 
angles in how this works together. Now let's look at 1 Corinthians 2, verse 13, where we started. It says, These things we also speak, not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, yet he, him, he himself is rightly judged by no one. For he who has, who has known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him, but we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. But back in 14, so this is the context where the mind of Christ, where that statement is, uh, sits. It says, but the natural man does not receive the things of the spiritual of the Spirit of God. The natural man does not receive them, for they are foolishness to him. Nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. In the CEB it says, But people who are unspiritual don't accept the things from God's Spirit. They are foolishness to them and can't be understood because they can, only be, they can only be comprehended in a spiritual way. Now we're talking about renewing our mind and looking at things correctly. Notice it says the natural man, it can't receive the things of God. It can't receive the spiritual things. In other words, the, the way of looking at things correctly is actually from a spiritual perspective, but if we're just thinking naturally, we won't be able to receive them. They'll be nonsense. They'll be foolishness. In the Amplified, it says, But the natural unbelieving man does not accept the things, the teachings and revelations of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness, absurd and illogical. Notice, notice that this is talking about your mind, but it's how your mind works. It says the things of the Spirit of, of God, they, if to, the, to the unbelieving mind, they are nonsense. They're foolishness. They're absurd and illogical to him, and he is incapable of understanding them. Notice the way to understand things of God is not with natural mechanisms, it's by coming to, the, to um, them by believing. It doesn't say anything about your intellectual capacity here in order to understand. It just says if you're not spiritual, you can't understand. Doesn't matter what your IQ is. It means you, ju you just don't get it because you're trying to figure it out. You're trying to understand it and your mind just, you know, stalls. You can't get there. It says he is incapable of understanding them because they are spiritually discerned and appreciated and he is unqualified to judge spiritual matters. It means he can't, he can't, he can't get it. In other words, how you look at these things, we're going to get into some, something specific, but how you look at the way God approaches 
situations, the way God approaches things on the earth, the only way you can understand that is from a spiritual perspective. You can't understand it naturally. In other words, you can't go and study it real hard with your brain and come to a conclusion. Your brain will just reject it. Can't get there. Because you're renewing your mind with spiritual things, and that comes from the heart. You have to believe, and uh, or the, the psalmist said, I believed in, in order to see. You, you, you need to understand, we need to understand that the, how we understand is through God's Word and by His Spirit, not, not just, it's not just information that we try to wrap our mind around. So, as we look at the things in our lives, as we look at, Um, God bringing us in His path for our life, as we look at situations in our life, we need to understand that we're going to, we need to see it the way God sees. We need to understand that our understanding is dependent on something more than our intellect. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 26, let's look at this. Now some of the things we're going to touch on uh, we've been touching on some of this stuff on Wednesday, and this could be part of that series, but I felt like we should cover it in this context, and sometimes that happens. you got the two series, and they almost kind of collide together and, as, we're, as we're touching on certain things. But on Wednesdays, we've been talking about God with you, that God is with you, and, and, talk, and uh, emphasizing some of these things. It's not, it's not you getting what God has called you to do done in the earth, it's, it's Him with you and that He's with you in every circumstance. He's with you. He's for you. He will help you through things. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1, verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. Now, now, we're talking about renewing our mind, <clears throat> and we're, we need to know how God looks at things. And in this area, we need to see that he, may not be, he won't be looking at it necessarily the way the natural man would look at things. Beginning of verse 26, For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble, are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. Notice this foolish things of the world. Didn't we, didn't we just read earlier that things of God can seem foolish to the natural man, to the unspiritual, he can't, he can't get it. He's like, what, why, why is this happening? But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen, and the things which are not, to bring to nothing things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. But of Him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that is, or that as it is written, He who glories, let Him glory in the Lord. 
Now we may, we're going to go back and look at this a little bit, I believe. But notice he's saying it's not the way you would think. When Paul's writing this, he's saying, look, not many according to the way you would think are called. Let's just go through verse 26 again and we'll walk through it while we have it up. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise according to the flesh and not many mighty, not many mighty, not many noble are called. So it's saying, wait, people, natural people would say, well, you need the, the one that's mighty. You need the one that's wise or noble. But it says in verse 27, God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty. It says God has chosen. That means He's done it on purpose. But it's not the way the natural mind would approach things. The natural mind would go, well, okay, we're picking... This, this role, we need X, Y, and Z, and we need to get the best here. That's not what God, how God looks at it. He doesn't do that. And the natural mind can't receive that sometimes. It, it's, it, it, is, it stumbles. The natural mind says, well, yeah, what? but th th this would be better because this looks better on paper. This looks better. Th this person looks like they have more ability here. This, look, this person looks like they're more qualified. And it says God has chosen things that the natural mind's going to go, that's stupid, that's foolish. But notice we read before um, in 1 Corinthians 2, which is actually just a little bit down uh, later in this same book, it's saying that, that the natural man does not receive the things of God, the spiritual things. These verses are actually before that. The natural man, mind doesn't receive them. It says, that's foolishness. I don't get it. But earlier, God was saying, it, it, here it is, uh, the Apostle Paul was saying, God has specifically done that. He's chosen things that look foolish to put to shame the things that people would rely on. Let's read verse 27 again. It says, But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised God has chosen, and the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. See, God doesn't look at people's ability and esteem it. It's saying that no flesh should glory in His presence. In other words, they're not going to take credit for what they got done. Let's look at Psalm 147, verse 10. We read this again. We, if you're with us on Wednesdays, we, we touched on some of these scriptures. But we're doing this in the context of looking at things right with our mind and specifically how it applies to us in our lives. Psalm 147, verse 10 says, He takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in human might. No, the Lord's delight is in those who fear Him, those who put their hope in His unfailing love. 
Verse 10 says, he takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse or in human might. That means he, he doesn't, he's not impressed with things that are strong in the natural. He's not impressed with horsepower. He's not impressed with IQ. He's not impressed with connections. He's not impressed with bank accounts. He's not impressed with know-how in any area. It does not impress God. It doesn't impress Him. He is God. I mean, I just, there was some, um, I remember what it was. It was in some news article or something, talking about something in our galaxy that was so many I can't remember, it was thousands or millions of light years away. Now I'd have to say it right. It was a long distance, and it was still in our galaxy. When you talk about a light year, I mean, that alone boggles our mind. We can't wrap our mind around it. A light year is, light, if you don't know, is light traveling, which goes at a hundred, around 175,000 miles a second, traveling for a year. It goes that fast per second. And so you start here and you just keep going at that fast. Where you end up after a year is a light year. And then when you talk about many thousands or millions of that, our mind just blows up. You just, how far is that? I mean, it's not five miles. It is, the light goes around the earth seven times in a second. That's how fast it is. And so it's doing that for a year. Somebody can do the math on that. So how many times could it go around the earth? You know, earth's roughly 25,000 miles. That is really, really far. <laughs> and that's just a, just a small fraction of the universe. And our mind is going, well, that, that is really far. See, our minds are going, I mean, even if you deal with these numbers all the time, you're a scientist or whatever, I think it just goes in the background at some point. You can't really get it, but you got to deal with it and work with it. But as far as comprehension, so we go, oh my goodness, what? God created it all. It's, I mean, to him, it's not big. It just is. He made it. It's not like he's going, oh, wow, you're right. That is, he made it. So you bring it back to earth, you guys have, most of you have traveled on an airplane. You know when you start going up on the airplane, how all the, the houses and the trees and people and cars, they just start getting smaller and smaller and they look like little toys going around. You know, you see this car going along a country road and it looks like it's not even moving and you're seeing, it's going to take them forever to get across there. And you're, you know, you're going at 500 miles an hour and you realize how small and how slow everything is and you're just in an airplane. You're, you're still on the earth, and the earth's really dinky. And so you start zooming out, and you can't even see anything on the earth. You just see the clouds and the oceans and the land, and you start going away, and you're not even, you're not even a, a thousand miles up, you know, when you're in an airplane. You start zooming out to where you're a different place in the galaxy or in the universe. That, that is ridiculous. But you come back to where you see that, you can see, wow, this person, which you can't even see anymore, you just see a little speck that he's driving in or she's driving in, and how small, and you see these houses. You could see a mansion, and it's like this little toy house. It might be bigger than the other little toy houses next to it, but it looks really small. It's nothing. And so you bring it back to that, and it's like, here's a mover and a shaker on the earth, and you're looking going, 
They don't look like they're moving or shaking anything. Looks like I could pick them up. And you're like, that's really, that's a center of power. And you're way over, you know, you've ever flown over a city and it's like, from this perspective, it doesn't look that big. But that person that lives in that place, or there's many people here, they're shaking the world. When you're looking at it from God's perspective, it is not impressive. He, he is seeing the whole of creation. He made it all. And then somebody wants to go, you need me to help you. <laughs> what? God's going, what? No, you don't impress me. That does not impress me. Well, I'm really smart. You're really smart like this. God is, you can't even comprehend now, but light years do not make him pause. He sees all time, all the time. For all time. He sees everything at once. He sees everything everybody's thinking. He knows all that at the same time. He is the Lord. And so verse 10 here says, He takes no pleasure in the strength of a horse, in human might. You could, you could uh, put anything you want in there that is impressive to people. He's not impressed with how fast you can run. He's not impressed with how fast you can swim. He's not impressed with how fast you finish your test. He's not impressed with any of that, how much may, uh, money you have. Verse 11 says, No, the Lord's delight is in those who fear Him who put their hope in his unfailing love. His delight is in people that look to him and go, you're God and I'm going to do what you, call, you tell me to do. That's what impresses him. So you can see a little bit when you're looking at 1 Corinthians and it's saying he hasn't chosen things that look mighty because he's not impressed with that. On the other hand, something that looks foolish, but they honor him or it's, it's, it's along his, his, they honor his things. He's like, well, that's what I'm going to use. I'm going to do that because that impresses him. He holds that precious. Zechariah 4, 6, look at that. It says, so, the, so he answered and said to me, this is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor my power, but, my, my, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Not by might, not by power, you could put in there not by money, not by connections, not by know-how, not by training, none of that, not by looks. So much of what is in the world that is esteemed, it fades. Now we're talking about thinking right. Because if you look, if you start going through and you look at things the way the world looks at it, when, when we're talking about these things, you're going to think, well, this is, must be the way because this is strong, this is financed, this is good looking, whatever. And that's not how God looks at it. We need mind renewal. And in our own lives, we need to see how he thinks if we're going to track his plan for our life. Otherwise, you're going to stumble. You're going to get off track because you're going to be like, well, but, but we got to go this way. we got to do this. The, the phrase, play to your strengths, is not a godly principle. I'm not saying it's an ungodly principle. But here's the thing. You don't do anything in life because... It's something you think you can do. If I'm talking about as a Christian, as somebody who honors God, 
You're not doing what you think you should do or because you're strong. You're doing something because that's what God would have you to do. The Bible says anything you do, do it as unto the Lord. It doesn't say because you're good at it. So saying you do, you do this because you're good at it is actually not the right order. Not to say God won't use what you're good at, but it's all submitted to what He has said and done. You are not going to become someone else. In other words, yeah, I mean, when we say things like that, I'm not knocking that. I'm not saying that's an ungodly. What I'm saying is we need to have our priorities right and look at things right. Because otherwise they can be an excuses and they get us off. You are not going to become someone else. You should not try to be something else for natural reasons. So you shouldn't, yes, you, you have a certain temperament, personality, so you don't try to do something the way somebody else is doing it and become somebody else. But at the same time, you should trust God and do what He said you should do. Regardless if you think you're capable or not. Did you hear me? So it is not you think that I'm not good at something, so I shouldn't do that. Or I'm really good over here, so that's what I should do. Doesn't that sound a little bit opposed to what we read in 1 Corinthians, where it says God doesn't select the things that are mighty? See, that's the way the world thinks. We're really strong here, so we're going to go forward. Now, there's a natural part, but the spiritual comes first. Because if you go by you, what I think I can handle, you're going to cut things out or put things in, and it's not what God said, it's what you said. You do what God said regardless if you think you're capable or not. And now what we read in Psalm, he said... God's, the Lord's light and His delight is in those who fear Him. In other words, whatever you say, that's what I'm going to do. That impresses Him. When you say, I, I don't see how, but you said it, the answer of, yeah, God, but I'm not good at it, is not a good answer. We're not going to take time to go back and look at this because I have some other things to look at. But Moses, his answer when God told him, you're going to go to Pharaoh was, yeah, but I can't talk. Do you, do you, don't you think God knew where he was at in all areas, not just that, when he told him what to do? That was the wrong answer. It said God got, got mad with him. Because when, you're going, when God tells you you can do something and you go someplace and you say, I can't, that's wrong on so many levels. Number one, you're rebelling against him, but even higher than that, you're telling him he doesn't know what he's talking about. You don't know that I can't do that. Are you kidding? You're talking to the Lord. So you don't know who He is, or you're not acknowledging who He is, or thinking He made a mistake. All those are wrong. It's natural thinking. God knows what He's dealing with. There is nothing lost on Him ever. 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 There's no detail that He missed. Oh, you're right. You can't talk. What am I saying? Thinking. Never mind. I, just forget I called. Yeah, we're going on. 
Now he ended up using Aaron, but that wasn't his best. Well, you tell Aaron what to say, and then we'll, we'll work it that way. That was, that was um, him dealing with Moses. That, if Moses, I believe, if Moses would have just said, all right, whatever. You don't think God could have helped him? Now, he did use him, which just shows God's mercy in the way he'll help. But that's, if God says something, then we're not supposed to talk back and say, well, I actually, you know, I thought about I have a better plan. I've analyzed it too, and here's my analysis. That, should, that, that sounds so dumb when we talk about it that way, but we do it. We're like, yeah, about that. I, you know, I've been thinking, and I don't think I'm the best person, or I think actually, I, you know, why don't we do it this way? But it's not the way God operates. It's, he's not looking at your ability to begin with. He's looking at your heart. <laughs> he doesn't need your ability. He'll use it. But it's not the way people think. We can do what God calls us to do, period. If He tells us to do something, we can do it. It may not be fun, you think it's just easy, but you can do it. You know, somebody said, God does not call the qualified, He qualifies the called. In other words, He doesn't call you because He thinks, oh yeah, I need that on my team. He says... I see your heart. All right, we'll take care of the other stuff. We'll train you up. That's how he works. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 12, verse 1. We'll, we'll say some more on this. It says, now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, he's talking specifically here well, in this whole chapter, which we're not going to take the time to read the whole thing. But he's talking about people being in the body of Christ and where they find their place. And he's, in the beginning, he's talking about spiritual gifts, but it all applies to what we're talking about. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. You know that you were Gentiles carried away to these dumb idols. However, you were led. Therefore, I, I make known to you that no one speaking by the Spirit of God calls Jesus a curse, and no one can say that Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are differences of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities, but it is the same God who works all in all. In other words, God works different ways through different people and in different situations, but it's the same Spirit and it's the same God. But He, he works differently. Verse 7, But the manifestation of the Spirit is given to each one for the profit of all. So He's got a purpose. Now skip down to verse 11. Now, he talks in here about specific gifts of the Spirit, which is not really our purpose this morning, but he mentions them. Verse 11 says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. Again, it's talking about gifts of the Spirit, but this applies. He goes right in, uh, which we're going to read one sentence, right into talking about the body of Christ. In other words, this applies no matter what, whether it's gifts of Spirit or whatever, it's as He wills. It's the same Spirit, but He works differently, and that's up to Him. That's not up to you. Not up to me. Not up to somebody's opinion on the Internet about who should be in such and such. 
an office or dealing with something. That has nothing to do with it. It is what God said and how He wills. If it was up to you and me, we'd probably make a mess of it because we'd be going by what we see in the natural. To the degree we were spiritual or not, we would probably, you know, lean toward the natural. And even to the degree that you're spiritual, you can't know somebody's heart like God does. So you don't see like He sees. He sees perfectly. So he, when He makes decisions, they're right, regardless of what anybody says. They're always right. But He works differently through different people. But if they're hooking up with Him, it's has He wills. That's why it's so important. The most important thing is to do what He said to do, not try to put your own spin on it. Don't try to figure out what you're supposed to do based on what you think you're good at, then that's not obeying Him. If He told you to do something you think you are flat horrible at, you do that. That's way worse. You, if you're going to say, yeah, but I'm not good, that's like Moses. He ended up using Moses, but look, God knows. The biggest thing is, what does He tell you to do, and are you going to do that? That's number one. We're talking about trust and obedience. He can qualify you and add anything He needs to do and, and bring you up. So verse 11 says, But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as He wills. For as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are, are one body, so also is Christ. Then he goes into talking about the body of Christ and the different members. Not going to take time to, to get into all that. But he, but he says, look, there's the body of Christ and there's all these different members and it's, they're set in the body as God would, as He willed. And we're not supposed to compare and we're not supposed to want to be somebody else. We're supposed to say, God, what do you want me to do? And flow with that and come up. And that's how we're going to go forward in His plan. We're talking about mind renewal in the in context. How is your life going to be transformed? It's by changing your mind. Sometimes we think wrong and we cut out certain areas because we think like the world thinks, not like God thinks. When we start thinking like God thinks in these areas, anything can become possible because you're not looking at natural ability to get it done. You're saying, God, what would you want to do? Oh, you want that done? Okay, we can do it. You're not saying, yeah, but we can't because there's the money or there's the ability or connections or looks or whatever. You're just saying, what do you want? I trust that whatever you say, you've already thought about everything else. I just need to know that I'm following you. That's it. Everything else has already been taken care of by definition. If God said to do it, it's right. It, every, he's thought about everything that you haven't. All the blanks that people catch up later and feel like, oh, yeah, but what about, he's already, nah, it's already good. I already got that. Already took that into consideration. Already had that figured out. You know, God doesn't figure stuff out. He just knows. He didn't have to come to a conclusion. You know, somebody says, I'm not good in this area. <laughs> it's not my personality. It's not my temperament. Uh, if God tells you you can do it and it's, it's your area, then it's your area. Yeah, yeah but that's just nat naturally who I am. So what? Who cares? 
Yeah, but I'm more like this. Well, evidently God says you're going to be like this. Up to you whether you want to listen to Him or not. Yeah, but I just can't. That's the wrong response. That's saying He's wrong and I can't do what you said. You're missing it. Or I don't want to do it. Something. See, natural people say, yeah, you're right. You, let me see. What's your assessment here? Yeah, you're right. You, you stink at that. Don't do that. And everybody will nod their head. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you know, this, 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 this has been used the world over to assess people. And you just wouldn't be good at that. And God's saying, oh, yeah, you would. Who are you going to listen to? See, the natural mind can't receive the things of God. The, the natural mind's going to go, yeah, let's get them on the team. We were just talking about, Shelly and I were talking about this one time, they were in a Holy Ghost meeting, you know, when she was traveling with Brother Hagin, and they were at this one church, and the people knew this one very highly trained singer, and they were so proud, they, they were bringing her in for the meeting, and I'm talking about Brother Hagin, but somebody else was bringing them in, you know, while Brother Hagin was there, and wanted her to sing, and this will be really impressive. She could sing, she was skilled, but it was dead in that meeting because she wasn't, it wasn't the right thing and she wasn't flowing with what the meeting was doing and what, it was a Holy Ghost meeting. That means flowing with the Spirit of God. If you're totally in your head and not knocking this person, just giving you an illustration because you don't know them anyways, nobody's being hurt, it, it doesn't matter how good you are. It's the heart connecting with God. You could play three chords you know, on a banjo, out of tune, and if it's anointed by God, it will be blessing people a hundred times more than somebody that's gone through the most uh, highly qualified and, and best schools in the world, and come and everything is perfect and on and amazing, but there's no punch, there's no anointing to it, because God's not in it. You want the first thing. I can play one chord. We're just going to go in that chord over and over, but it's anointed. We'll change people's lives and bless them more than, you know, orchestrating amazing arrangements that aren't anointed. Do you understand? You can have amazing music, but the spirit behind it is absolutely not neutral, wrong. There is music. If, if we don't know this, we need to understand music is very, very powerful. And you can discern the spirit behind it. What do I mean by that? Who was writing that and what was inspiring them to do it? And it will bring devilish results. People get depressed they listen to certain music and they wonder why they're having trouble with their mind because you're listening to music and lyrics. I'm not even talking about just the lyrics. I'm talking about just music that was inspired the wrong way, and people listen to it, and they become affected by the, the same thing that was affecting the writer. And they get depressed, and there's a darkness that descends. I've heard stuff that it was amazing. The music was amazing. It was like, those are cool chords. That's awesome. And I, and, but there was yuck behind it. Like, I'm not listening to that. I will not listen to it. I won't put it around. It gets in your head, and you realize the place in life that person's coming from. It's like, I don't want that garbage anywhere near me. I don't care how cool it sounds. Okay, they're playing this chord. I'm not going to go and listen to that. I'll just, okay, I got the sequence. Now I'm going to go on. I'm not listening to that anymore. 
and I don't want to play it like that. Because it gets in my head the other way, and it's it just, there's a spiritual force. People don't understand, oh, teenagers, they just listen to whatever, it's just their music. There's a lot of that junk. What is it? Oh, you know, I just can't live without you. Life isn't worth going on unless I have you in my, that's garbage. Wonder why you're depressed listening to that. No, you'd rather just play one chord. I mean, you ever heard the, the, um, the song Hallelujah? I don't even know where that came from. You know, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Just hallelujahs over and over. Just a few chords. Amazing. You start singing that song, God likes that song. It's old, but simple. You're going to have somebody singing that, and the presence of God descends. So, well, that's just not, you know, there's not enough chord progression change there. What are you after? Now, what we, what people consider mighty, cool, we got to look at what does God think about it? And if it's going in the wrong direction or if it, it, it's not, uh, not even it's not going the wrong direction, but it's just not hooking up with what He would have us to do, then we just put it aside and say that's not where it is. Look at Galatians 2, verse 6. Galatians 2, verse 6. But from those who seem to be something, whatever they were, it makes no difference to me. God shows personal favoritism to no man. For those who seem to be something added nothing to me. This is Paul. You know the way he's talking? I mean, even right there, it's not where we're getting to, but he's saying, yeah, people that were supposed to be something, because they, they didn't do anything for me. They weren't adding anything. Verse 7, but on the contrary, when they saw that the gospel for the uncircumcised had been committed to me, as the gospel for the circumcised was to Peter... For he who worked effectively in Peter for the apostleship to the circumcised also worked effectively in me toward the Gentiles. And when James, Cephas, and John, that's Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that had been given to me, they gave me and Barnabas the right hand of fellowship that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. Now this is talking about Paul going to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, when it says the circumcised, talking about the Jewish people, if you were standing back and looking at qualifications and who should go to what group, most people would not come up with Paul going to the Gentiles, the non-Jewish people, and Peter going to the Jewish people. Paul was trained. He was highly trained. Pharisee, he studied the law. He knew. He studied under good teachers. He knew all the, all the jot and tittles, everything. He knew all about the law. He was trained. 
and he was so zealous for it that he was persecuting the church, he could go toe-to-toe with anybody talking about any of that stuff, law, whatever. And he tried, and he kept going. But ultimately, he was called to people that had no knowledge of any of that. He was called to the non-Jewish people. Peter, on the other hand, is a fisherman. And Peter didn't have all that knowledge. He's Jewish, but he's not studied it all his life. He's not, you know, Pharisee of the Pharisees like Paul. And God said, you know what, we're taking you to the Jewish people. Peter could probably relate more to the guy that doesn't know much about God. He's a fisherman, you know, probably his language isn't the best. He's just like, hey, I'm here. Let me tell you about Jesus. People in their natural mind would think that's how you get to relate to those people. God said, nope, we're sending you to the the Jews. We're sending you to the people that know the law. And Paul, all that knowledge and everything, we're sending you to the people that don't have that background whatsoever. Yeah, but he could talk to them. He could really get in there. That was not God's plan. People would go, oh, here's how you match that up, and this is how you reach people. This is how you do it. You do it this way. And and God said, well, you're going here, and you're going here. Yeah, but... But, but what all my training and, of course, his training. I mean, it came into, he, he wrote a good deal of the New Testament. But our thinking has got to change to where God, whatever you said to do, that's what I'm going to do. Not, am I good enough? Is that what I like to do? You know, is that really up my alley? Well, it better be come up your alley if that's what God's telling you to do. You got, you got a couple choices there. You do it and like it, or you say, no, I think I'll do something else and go disobey. Yeah, but so-and-so, I said I'd be really good at this. <laughs> you better watch that. They're not God. They might be well-meaning, but they're not the one that determines the direction. It's as the Spirit wills. It's as God placed people in the body, not people placing people in the body. Not moms, not dads, not uncles, not pastors, not anybody. Now, I'm not saying people can't have discernment and understand and see a call, but you don't call somebody into something as a person. You can confirm it. You can, can say, I see that on you. But you don't say, hey, I heard somebody say this. Oh, I have a long time ago. Nothing, anybody out here? Just a long time ago. Heard, heard him say it. And again, nobody, this is constructive criticism. Nobody knows who it is, so nobody's getting hurt. But I heard a mom talk about one of their children. Young child. I mean, single digits probably. Yeah, he's really outgoing. We think he's probably an evangelist. Has nothing to do with it. Nothing to do with it. Your personality has nothing to do with your spiritual calling. See, that's, that's natural thinking. That's people going, oh, you, you do this, you would be good here. That's not the way God looks at it. Because you'd end up with Paul going to the Jews. And Peter, surely, he's not, he's not able to go talk to the Jewish. No, he's not. 
No, that's natural thinking. Your personality doesn't determine what God calls you to do or what you're able to do. God, in His infinite wisdom, knowing everything, knowing the end from the beginning, He calls people into whatever area. And He equips as we walk with Him. It comes down to what did He say to do and are you going to do it? With His commandment comes enablement. Being skilled does not equal being anointed. We talked about that. You knowing how to do something is not the same as, what does being anointed mean? It means that's how God is working with you. When you talk about the anointing on somebody to do something, that means it's not just the person doing it. There is, like what I would say, a punch behind it because it's the Holy Spirit taking that and doing something with it. They were talking about, that's the most anointed one chord I've ever heard. People would be like, no, you got to do this. Now, can you do different things? Yeah, but you don't prioritize the skill over the anointing. You don't prioritize what you think you can do over what God told you you can do. God will use your ability, but it's up to Him what He uses and how He uses it. It is not the driving factor. It is submitted to Him and allowing Him to do what He wants you to do. Praise God. God knows. And let me say this, when He tells you to do something, with that command comes the enablement. Look real quickly at Matthew uh, 14, verse 22. God will grow you up. God will equip you. God will get you what you need. If you go along the pathway, what He tells you to do, there is enablement with His command. Verse 22 says, Immediately Jesus made His disciples get into the boat and go before Him to the other side while He sent the multitudes away. And when He had sent the multitudes away, He went up to the mountain, on the mountain by Himself to pray. And when the evening had come, He was alone there. But the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, and the wind was contrary. Now in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went to them, walking on the sea. And when the disciples saw Him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer, it is I, do not be afraid. But Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. And so he said, Come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. Now, when Peter said, If it's you, tell me to come, he could not walk on the water. But when Jesus said, Come, now he could walk on the water. With Jesus' command, when he said, come, Peter now could walk on the water because Jesus told him to. Yeah. 
If he tells you to do something, you can do it. Whether you could do it before or not, now you can. Because he said so. If he said, do this, you say, but I can't. Oh, no, he said to do it. You can now. You have to be in faith. You have to say, yes, sir, I can do it. You say, but nothing's changed. I don't know how to do this. Just start walking. I got it. I don't, I don't know what that was, but. Got a hum? If Jesus told you, if the, the Holy Spirit tells you to do something, then with that command comes the ability to do it. Now, you might be saying in your mind, I can't. And you might think, I'll be embarrassed. I couldn't do it. There's no way I can do that. I'm going to share with you this example. Uh, you know, you don't want me to use your life, I'll use my life, so then you get mad at me if I use your life. But you know, when I was uh, in, in Lincoln, Nebraska, uh, going to church there, uh, I started to help with praise and worship. I played the piano for years and years, but I started to help and I would play the piano, but I never really sang. Now, I wouldn't call myself like a singer growing up or anything. I didn't, didn't want to sing. But um, you know, we had actually, you know, we, Shelly and I were just celebrating our anniversary, 22nd anniversary yesterday. But we, 23 years ago, we met, and how we met was she came to, to Lincoln, Nebraska to do a music workshop. It was her first one and her last one. It was the only one she ever did. We got married a year later. But anyway, she came to do a music workshop, and you know, and I was playing the piano, and I was selecting the songs, but there were other people that were leading, had been leading before. And that was where we were. I didn't want to sing. They really, they wanted to lead. And, but that's not the best arrangement. If you're deciding where the service is going to go, but you're not leading it, that's hard. But when Shelly came in, after seeing everything, and, and we, um, uh, you know, did music and everything, we were talking to the pastors afterwards, and, and she said at one point, she goes, he's supposed to be leading, pointing to me. He's the one that's supposed to be leading. I did not want to lead. I, 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 don't, I don't want to do that. I knew she was right. And the pastor knew. I mean, more importantly, the pastor, my pastor, was like, yeah, that's, that's right. And so I, <clears throat> we were like, we're going to start taking steps. And so that next Wednesday, we made a determination, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead for the first time. I was so petrified. I did not want to sing. I had nothing to, I had no uh, desire to get up in front of people and sing. But I believe that was what I was supposed to do, so I did that and started singing on Wednesday nights, and eventually I started singing on Sundays and leading, and I, was, I, I led praise and worship for years. And I learned so much through that. I learned how to be led by the Spirit in different ways, when to come up, 
when to come up at the end of service. You know, I knew I could get to where I knew the pastor, he's doing this, and I was up there and I was already playing for him and supporting him. And then singing. Man, I didn't. We'd have guest speakers come in, and I was like, oh, Lord, I don't want to sing. I don't want to lead praise and worship. And I mean, I sang. I mean, I could sing fine. I'm not a, I wasn't a singer like, you know, Shelly. When Shelly came from the Ramah Singers and Band, number one, and she, and you know, we got married and she came, she didn't even sing for months. She didn't come and be like, oh, she's there and sing. She didn't even sing. And then when she did sing, she was singing back up for me, <laughs> which is funny. I mean, I, I could carry a tune. I was fine, but you know, I wasn't, she's trained vocally and has a beautiful voice. But I obeyed God. I learned so much through doing that. Learned how to be led. Just picking out the sets. Which one are we going to do and all that over time? It took me four hours to figure out that first time. What, what are we doing? Over time, I just look at the list and, okay, we're going here. That stuck with me, and I learned how to be led by the Spirit of God a ton through doing that. What are we doing? And people would come in and guess, you know, what, how are we flowing? And just flowing with the, the pastor and knowing when to sing and putting your flesh down to do something you don't want to do anyway. Well, did, and you know, did I end up, okay, now I've got a record deal in singing? No, but that was part of what I was supposed to do. So don't, you know, when God is telling you to do something, you just, he's got stuff in mind. You don't have to figure everything out. Just do what he told you to do. It don't waste any time. God knows. So even if you couldn't do something before, you could do it. And we had times of worship and praise God, and God worked with it. But it, it was something that, that He was uh, working with. In all of our lives, we just need to know, you know, I, I worked at Children's when I went to Ramah. That is not something that I wanted to do. When I went down there after doing the music, guess what I thought I was going to do? I'm doing the music at Raymond when I go down. New people? I'm... No. Guess what I went? The children's in the small kids. <laughs> I, the longer, we'll wrap up here, but the longer I was in there, I was like, where am I supposed to volunteer? And they, they would have parent volunteer, parent uh, where if they needed overflow because the ratios were wrong, you know, they had too many kids. They would say the kids are winning. And so then the parents, you could go back and help. And they would put the number up on the screen. You know, it's four or five. And I'd be in service. Be like, supposed to go. And I'd go. And then over time, I was like, all right, I'm volunteering. That's where I'm supposed to be. I don't want to do it. But that's what I'm supposed to do. We're going to go do it. That's what we did. Shelly was singing on, started singing on Sunday nights, you know, on the front line, of course, and all that stuff. And I'm going in children's, and she was there with me. She would go on Wednesdays, and we'd go children's, but I didn't, I didn't serve in doing the music. And then we eventually helped out in elementary school. And then we end up, you know, helping with doing the, the sermons and everything, doing the Wednesday night Faith Academy and doing all that before we came out here. But we were being trained up all through that. It wasn't what I wanted to do. God can use whatever, wherever, and it might be something you're going to go do, 
Eventually, it might be something that he's just using to grow you up in an area. might be something that he's using to develop you. But regardless, number one thing is, what does he want me to do? Not in the natural thinking going, well, I just don't know. No, what does he want me to do? Flush everything out, do that, and then we'll move forward with him. That's the right mentality. He's right. He's got a reason. He's got a plan. And just go with him. He doesn't think the way people think. And he's not wrong. His way's right. Praise God. 